that's more like it. Hitting the button to go to the air. What's up, everybody? Fun one. NHL trade deadline day. To be honest, so this is my first one from this studio. And used to do them down at the CBC. Oh, like, wow. Got to do a couple down there. Put on a, like, jacket, a sports coat, and be a big boy. <laughs> go down there and feel like the most insignificant guy. Because it's just... The whole day is skewed around television, right? Right. And so you're there as the radio, and it's like an add-on piece. But you're not a part of the show show, you mm. know? You're a background player. You're a bit player. <laughs> so you're there, and guys come through, filter through. They do their radio hits. Again, today we got a jam-packed one. Our boy Mike Fuda coming in. Paul Bizonette coming in. And last but very much not least, Ryan Getzlaff over wow. the phone. Couldn't come in. <laughs> what a day. <laughs> Too early for Ryan Getzlaff. Still on West Coast time, apparently. <laughs> That's his schedule down at the panel. Uh, yeah, the studio's downstairs. So, yeah, we're going to be able to grab some dudes and have them come up in here. But, uh, yeah, this is, a different, this is a different feel. I love this day. When I was growing up, like you guys, I think it was Joe that said it. You weren't here this day, Pete, mm. about how I love that you made yourself like a little special Tang. You're the cutest guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I, I put together like a whole book of like every <laughs> single contract in the NHL because I wanted to be ready That's for it. That's old school. That's actually, it, it used to, the first deadline days I used to do when I first like got to the fan. Yeah. They would have you print out so much useless stuff <laughs> on every person that got traded. So it would be some fourth line AHL trade. Yeah. And they would go, hurry, hurry, hurry. It was the newsroom floor. It was bustling. The news for the floor was bustling. And you as basically an intern or lowest man on the pole that had just uh that had just started here, mm-hmm. you had to hustle and print out all these sheets and then go hand them to some so you were hustling. surly insider. Uh. <laughs> some surly radio. Some fourth liner just got traded, pump it. <laughs> yeah, radio um was yeah, pretty stacked back then. They had a lot of they had a lot of dudes. Times have lot. changed. Yeah, Times have changed. Now it's pretty thin. Now you guys get to talk yeah. on trade deadline day, <laughs> and you're at the yeah, now they're putting us on there. You get to sit down with me. Yeah. Well, I put you on air. Don't ever forget that. Thank you, JD. Thank you, JD. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the acknowledgement, <laughs> fellas. So anyway, yeah, I love this day, and it was always exciting. And growing up, you Joe said it. He didn't get to experience it. Mm-hmm. The idea of you sit down on the couch and you just watch trade deadline coverage hour after hour after hour, and that's how you got breaking news. And it was so exciting just watching it come through. I still feel that way. Like if if I had it my way, and I will later on this afternoon when I go and sit down on the couch, mm-hmm. we now have Twitter, and that's definitely changed the game, right? Mm-hmm. You're no, more likely to get it there first from the television. But I still love today as a TV day. This still feels like a TV radio day where you get it live and you want that analysis immediately beyond just the tweet. Mm-hmm. So... So anyway, you want to talk about it right away. It's your instinct. Sportsnet's coverage all day long. And shout out to your local Subaru dealers for being with us here today. Every breaking trade that we will announce is brought to you by our friends at your local Subaru dealers. So shout out to them. Anyway, love doing this day. It's always fun. I hope we get some trades. I don't I, – I'm going to say this. What's the over-under for you guys on Leafs trades today that you expect – that you want. What's the line at? 0.5. You 0. get to 5? set your own line. Yeah, yeah. 0.5, right? Yeah, That's 0. the five. I'm saying under 1.5. Yeah, definitely under 1.5. But if For they sure. yeah, if they make a move, it's probably going to be for one yeah. player. Yeah. 
they don't really have the this cap space to be able to really do in too much more than that, it's, mm-hmm. even if they're trying to move out roster players. I'll say this. Like, this is where I'm going to kind of start. I'm going to take the under today just because the two guys that have been whipping boys in this city for quite some time now, and I have been hand up uh, someone who has been on those whipping boys in the Contri- past. Contributed to it? I have contributed. <laughs> I have chipped in. <laughs> <laughs> Done my part. Yeah, exactly. Uh, with Justin Hall and Alex Kerfoot, mm. those two guys have played really good the last couple of games. Yeah, and and I, I think it's not so much if you have something in front of you that's obvious, you wouldn't move off of those players. But if you're making those kind of lateral maybe moves... You're not moving those fellas. They're just a mm-hmm. part of your team. And yeah. I said this last night on Leafs Talk. I think Justin Hall gets way too much hate for a guy that makes $2 million and has to have the workload that he's had. Yeah. He's not in – people act like he goes to Sheldon Keefe's office every day and bangs on doors like, Sheldon, will you play me more, please? Please put me against the other team's best players. Please, Sheldon. For the love of God. My daddy said so, Sheldon. Put me at Sheldon. And he's like, ah. Oh. God, this daddy's boy, I have to play him. I have to put him out there in the toughest situations. No, he goes out there. He's not a perfect player. Um, Few players are. Mm -hmm. But at two million bucks, I like the value Justin Hall gives you, especially in a scenario where he's kind of potentially in and out of the lineup with a couple of other guys Mm -hmm. where you've got Justin Hall, Luke Shen, who last night, boy. Oh, my goodness. Passion. Passion. The passion. The passion. The passion that Luke Shen brought. <laughs> yeah. And then he gets the championship yeah, belt. I could not beautiful. have been happier. It was great. But anyways, I just I like their mix on the blue line. The problem still remains what I talked about with James Murray yesterday is I'm not sure who the player is that mm-hmm. goes with Morgan Riley. And when you have that, that's the kind of thing that they're going to have to figure out. But I'm going to go with under today. My feet are sitting down, looking handsome. Look at those <laughs> eyes, buddy. Just sparkling. Whoa. <laughs> Mike Fuda in the building. Uh, you're on the desk today? Just yeah. all day long? We went to Soto Soto last night with my table was Biss. Okay. Juice Bieksa. Uh-huh. Ryan Getzlaff. Mm-hmm. Jamal Myers. Kobe Armstrong. Yeah. And Biss and uh, Drake walks in. Wow. And he waves, and we think he's waving at us. Mm-hmm. So we all kind of give him like a <laughs> yeah. one of these, and then the table behind us, his best friend gets up and goes and gives a hug. <laughs> we just bury our heads and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's still pretty sweet. You know, most people, you don't have to put those on. Okay, they're, they're not going to, you don't want to mess up that hair, all right? You're on television today. <laughs> yeah, like, I got, that's why I got these. Okay, good The stuff. little earbuds. Some people would kill just to have a... Uh, Half potential moment with Drake. You got that now. It so was crazy. we're here with Drake's good buddy, Mike Fuda. <laughs> Dude, how did that go? Did you get a? I guess that's kind of the establishment where you can't really take a picture. No, and it wasn't even a thought. It was like no, no. we're kind of like the way he looked. At it, of course, Kobe. There. Hold on. Like, can you pull the mic closer? We're like, who knows him? Who yeah. knows him? You can pull it too. Like it's okay. it's adjustable. We're like, we're like, who knows him? Who knows yeah. him? And I'm yeah. like, uh, who knows I don't him? Know. I don't know. <laughs> you should have just said me. Mike was going to sh- throw with it, but we yeah. were all that kind of crowd. And of course, Biss, I figured Biss was going to get up and make a scene. Mm-hmm. It just never happened. It was it was an early evening stuff, but it was pretty thrilling. The guy's like got such a presence. And, of course. And I mean, he's one of the mo- world's most famous people. He yeah. stepped into the same Biss? restaurant as you. Yeah. Oh. Close. <laughs> he's, he's like, I think, 43rd. <laughs> Drank a little higher, maybe. Yeah, like no, it was fun. It was a really 18. good. And just listening to those guys, I said, if it ever gets boring, mm-hmm. just listening to their stories, mm-hmm. uh, 
it could fill up a trade deadline show. Like, yeah. and, there, and there's some pretty genuine, like I've known Biss since, uh, I've known Bissonette since I coached him in the under 17s. And uh, on that immaculate 85, Anthony Stewart was on the team as well. Mm-hmm. So we've got some. And then I had, uh, and then Stewart I, just needs to open the vault tra- with his stories. Then I he traded just, for he locks him. him away. Then I traded for him in Saginaw when he was with Saginaw, which is a great story if I had time. I'm going to try to save it for the deadline show, but it's pretty funny. Oh, yeah. No, save it for the good stuff. Can I, the good yeah, show. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm probably not going to be on there. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I think no. I'm in the background with, yeah. with Drake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they're I'm in, like, the panel. I just saw some, like, yeah. there was, like, prime rib on the big desk, and then yeah. the, I, there was, like, a tuna sandwich. <laughs> oh, yeah. Next don't to my management booth. So I, I was going to bring my two rings just in case anybody forgets I've actually accomplished something in my life. But... You absolutely should have brought those two rings. What were you thinking? No, my mom won't let me. And I would like... never wear them anyways. That would... That'd be too Drake-ish. Yeah, that would be. Drake you should would let like me wear, wear one. As oh. I would have walked around. People would like, who is that exactly? We've come like, a long way in our yeah. relationship. You can, <laughs> previously, I would see you running away with... I remember somebody at an airport. The uh-huh. 2014 one is unwearable. Like, it's one of those, like, chandeliers. Oh. And I, I, I had it on at an airport, and somebody said, well, can I show that? And literally... No way. Started walking away with it. Like, he's going to go show pinball. his family. And I'm like, how do you handle this? Like, you're being you polite. You hit them. He can't, it's like he's not at an airport, so it's not like he can't get away. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but it was just a very... What part of the airport, though? Just at the waiting gate. Just no, but see, that's, you can get he away can there. Get away. No, that's <laughs> part. a different flight. Yeah. My if, ring's on its way to no, San Antonio, it, Texas. If What's you're going waiting on? to board, then they can start walking see, away and you can go. I think about keep... these things. No, that's terrifying. I'll never, there was one of these where Pinball Clemens, because he's just the man. And he is basically... Oh, I heard that. You see, yeah, he threw one up, which is the craziest move in hindsight. Some fan asked him to see one of the rings, and he just chucks it up into the crowd, and then the guy runs up the stairs with it. But it, the, the beauty of it is, you're at an Argos game, and you try to take something from Pinball Clemens. You're like in trouble. And you're running up the stairs? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, like, hockey, hockey Week in Canada this year oh. on sound, Lenny McDonald comes out. And I'm really, obviously, I don't wear these things. He takes his Hall of Fame ring out, Mm-hmm. And his Stanley Cup ring and puts them on the boards. Well, there's a public skate, and I didn't know you got a ring to... for the Hall of Fame. Oh my God, yeah, it's classy, really nice. Yeah, I bet. It's a WWE. It's not the only one that gets Hall of Fame I just, rings. I, These I, guys, I've never... NHL guys, get them too. No, it's beautiful, and they get the jacket, right? Yeah. So jacket, he puts yeah. them on the board, and then anybody in the skate that wants them can just pick them up. And he, well, I need to just trust people. And there was a guy there that I just read shade galore. Yeah. And while Lenny was, this guy was like literally t- trying him on and heading for the exit. So we had, <laughs> we had a little security moment at the Bayshore Lumley to make sure he got Lenny's rings back. I, I was going to say though, taking things from athletes has got to be the dumbest of the groups. Like I could see if it was a rock star, you know, like a frail, drugged out rock star being like, you know what? I think I could do this. Well, <laughs> but it's one of the craziest things they tell you, JD, is when you're at a... Yeah is when you're hosting, like I brought, like if you're hosting your Stanley Cup party at your home and stuff, they mm-hmm. tell you don't ever give out your address or anything because that's one of the major alerts that people watch. Like that was the big thing with Gretzky, right, in Bradford with, and I surely my house is a little less, <laughs> just a little less hardcore, yeah. but they just, people would say, I mean, they knew what the basement was like and when it was a target for burglary, you hate to think about it, but that's the way the world works. God, how do we get here? longest we've ever been in front of you without talking about your team. Yeah, that's true. You went overboard the other day. Holy smokes. Mean? I loved it when you said, I said it was going to happen. I think it was the Engvall trade or something. I did. Well, here's the, the jubilation. thing. It, Mike, I hope it gets referenced today down at the desks, okay? Because I had you. I had Jeff Merrick on. I had, the, like, the people came through, mm-hmm. and I gave them the, the thoughts. And I said, I think these are the things that should happen. Mm-hmm. And then one by one, they did. And I said, if you want to 
if they should have they should have had an extra desk down for me mm-hmm. at that studio with you guys on television and they go and now we go into the mind of Kyle Dubis <laughs> with JD Bunkus because we he and I are just lockstep yeah. lockstep he does one thing I do you know he's my left arm I'm the right we're mo- we're moving in simpatico so if the goaltending fails in the first round and you both it's gone, on me you're both gone it's on me yeah <laughs> okay I should have done more. I should have. Well, I actually love Woody. I mean, I, like, Shen was the one that I had said would be the fit, yeah. right? And I'm, I was shocked the way they just kept. Third, too. You're was... talking about, well, last year I was kind of, I was hurt at the deadline. It was two seconds, right? Mm-hmm. Two seconds was offered for Shen, and they kept him. So, I mean, I can't figure out what's going on in Vancouver. But, I mean, uh, Shenner is the perfect fit as far as a guy that's already been here. He doesn't, the media doesn't phase him. He's got rings. He's mm-hmm. got class. He's. He'll block shots. He'll take a little heat off. And it's just, I wasn't so much worried. I didn't see the game last night because um, we were Let me tell you something. But uh, was he good? Buddy. Solid? Perfect. Good. It was, it's, it's exactly what you need. Mm-hmm. 10 to 12 minutes of a guy who is going to, f- first of all, I said this on my show last night. When's the last time, Mike, you watch a lot of Leaf games where you've seen a guy go into the net, go into the goalies, and then pay a price for it? And poor... Darcy Tucker. Yeah. yeah. Poor Jonathan Huberdeau thought that it was the old ways with the Toronto Maple Leafs where he could just barrel into the goaltender and he could take a couple of extra shots at it. And guess what? There was a lot of lumber in his spine from Luke Shen two seconds later. Luke Shen, guess what? Also put some lumber in Nazem Kadri's ribcage when he went close to the net. He hit somebody hard. He cleared pucks, made the simple play. It's just... He had a presence last night. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a huge man, and yeah. he looks big on that team. He did exactly what you want him to. He's, it was, reinvented, it was he's reinvented himself, too, because, I mean, there was so much pressure on him coming out as high as he was picked and that stuff, and, you know, who's going to be the next captain in the lease? Yep. And then, you know, went to the minors. He was 18, I think. Lean, he played, like, 82. Like lean. Yeah, coming out of Cologne, and his skating was... And now he's... Some guys, it's just incredible that their fitness level at another... I mean, Gary Roberts did it, and I'm not saying Luke Shins, but when they get into that level of fitness and the comfort mm-hmm. zone, that I just got to be that guy that's going to be a leader in the room, block shots, no pressure, secondary, anybody, teammate, I'm going to go in. I mean, he's not going to kill anybody, but nobody's going to screw around with your teammates. Mm-mm. And that's all you need in today's game. And on top of that, he's one of the classiest. Like, I drafted uh, Braden uh, to Los Angeles, yep. so I got to know the family real well, and he's a, he's a perfect fit. And it's another guy that... You can sit there and look around the room and say, what is, what is it like? You know, what do we have? He's done it. Yep. And he, he was cups. in and out, but two cups, two yep. cups. And he was a big part of it. And that way you got another guy that's just not guessing how to do it. He knows how to do it. And, of course, the O'Reilly guy, not only did he know how to do it, he was the, one of the main reasons they did it. So You know, though, this is something I was talking about yesterday. Uh, I actually talked about this with Versteeg. So he's someone who won two as well. So he knew it. But... This was something I, I do want to ask guys like you is how important it is having a guy like Shen, though, who not only has won them, but you just said it, he's in and out and it's never going to be an issue versus having a younger guy who wants to prove himself and be a part of those teams. It's like, I don't blame athletes for wanting to do that. Like, I don't blame a kid like Rasmus Sandin desperately wanting to be in a lineup. But yeah, when you've got a group of friends and you've got guys on the team who like you and you're the one getting scratched it has to have a little bit of a wear on your room versus a guy like Shen, who's a veteran who's going to come in and either he's going to get his 12 minutes a night, 10 minutes a night, or he's going to be in the box and he's just never going to make a peep about it. And he has that professionalism. Like how much do you think that actually matters to a team trying to make a run? It's uh, it's, you can't even put a price tag on it. And that, and that's the true reality of what a buy-in is. And we'll see. I mean, they've, it, there's, there's so much runway left on this, but I, I do love the moves. But mm-hmm. and as I said, like we had, when we were making our run, we brought in, he, he hadn't won a cup, but Mike Richards was Mike Richards, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting, so we literally had like 
14 candidates for captain. I don't, and, and Dustin Brown was probably the 13th or 14th. Yeah, but I don't Mike think Richards young. at that time, well, it was Jay, like he's going to be the captain and of you're Canada. And you across to Justin Williams, right? And, yeah. you're, and Matt Green and Jared Stoy was like Willie, um, Willie Mitchell at the time. I mean, these guys, it was Underrated. just like, and then Daryl kind of was the captain the first year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this, the next year it was in spite of Daryl, the boys, the boys that knew how to just learn how to win and were just awesome. It was great. So, I mean, a guy like Shane has that presence. And again, just the, just being able to say we did it. But again, you've got to avoid the big injury. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I really want it to be, I know some Leaf, Leaf fans, you want an easier path, but I really want to see best on best. Like, I don't want, I don't want Nick Felino to have to go through what Nick Felino did here. Like a guy that quality of person to be having that kind of dream season. And I mean, I think he's going to be back. I was shading notes from yesterday, but even it's how, how close it can come to, you can paint the perfect picture for your team. But like when you saw Marshawn the other night, with that skate, and I'm like, oh my god, if that cuts a tendon, like mm-hmm. the whole the whole seasons, it's just not the same. So get healthy. Hope the Leafs remain healthy as well. And I just, it's gonna be, it's gonna be amazing hockey to watch. But it's not just them. You look at this East, like it's beautiful. It's a funny though. The Rangers still haven't figured it out. The Rangers are the one that this looked complete, and they haven't figured it out yet. They will, mm-hmm. I would assume. But there's been so much movement with star power around there that that's a place you got to make sure that you know. Kaner's got his three cups. Tarasenko. There's only so much ice to go around, and when you're adding certain pieces, like Ryan O'Reilly's the perfect fit, right? Because wherever you put him, you're going to get Ryan O'Reilly. Yep. Whether it's third line, center, third, second line, he, you're going to get he, – he's been there, done that in another millennium. So those kinds, yeah, but if you add certain guys that are still a little bit about their um, – for example, it'll be interesting. Like Max Domi's having an incredible year getting all these kind of minutes, right? Now you go to Dallas and you look at the depth there. If you're not putting Max Domi on your power play, you're getting diminished results, right? And mm-hmm. It's, it'll be interesting. It's it, It'll be so much fun, the hockey. And again, I just hope some of these teams, they just find a way to get get healthy here. I, Even Jonathan Quick going back to Vegas. Well, like I'm, I'm dying on that, that one, man. This is, my, this is the, yeah, I talked to him. I mean, it, first he went time, back on the team plane, and I know he had to get stuff, but that felt like a bit of an oddity. Well, it happened going, it, just getting on the team bus like, yeah. in Winnipeg. And I mean, I know there's talk that the media started to leak it out and, and you know, Freed's taking some, and that's BS. I mean, and no offense. I mean, I, 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 I got total respect for the boys down there still, mm-hmm. but this guy is the best player, the most important player in the history of that franchise. I mean, Gretzky could be the best player, but the most important player, those two banners are not up there by any sense of imagination without Jonathan Quick. More than Dowdy. Yeah. Hundred percent. All right, he'd be the first one to say it. I mean, right. there's a layer. I mean, you, you, yeah. you can't take one out because then it might have changed everything. I just but yeah, if, they're, they're the two guys that I think of when I close my eyes. You those thought teams. It, the t- okay? I'm just gonna say that, and you can't take anybody out. I'm not to meet the, the to Larry. You can't win with Kopitar or Justin Williams stuff. Yeah. But the way we won, especially learn how to win, it got to the point with Jonathan Quick that you just couldn't score on him. And the most the first year, it was like there was a couple games, like the first game against St. Louis, he just we yeah. got peppered. And yeah. it was just like, that's insane. You can put a pee past him. Yeah, that first round. And then the following year, in the, in the 2014, the first year we were up 3 nothing in every series. Mm-hmm. Quickie, we went down. We won three games, sevens on the road to win in 2014. We were down three Cobb to San Jose. And we got had a lead in game four. And Quickie just comes by the bench and goes, we're, we're going to win this series. And the guys on the bench were like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he just shut the door. He just shut the door. And, it's a, and he's not someone who's flashy. But that was one that just shook the foundation of the families, the core, the fan base. And to see him go from, I give full marks to Yarmo Kukalainen to, to make that happen and have to go from being told 
you know, a very difficult way because they were worried the media was going to leak it out to having uh, him all of a sudden going to Vegas, who if the hockey karma gods are there, they're going to play the Kings in the first round of the playoffs Mm -hmm. if possible, and they're going to roll into Los Angeles and the visiting team goalie is going to get the biggest standing ovation. It just throws so many different things. God, that's a nightmare. Honestly, like that is a. But you think, and and I think (laughs) obviously that's good saying. Everybody says he's what, whatever he's he's done. Last, it's only a year. You got to go back that he took the Oilers to the brink, right? Yeah. Last year, Game Seven, and this year it's been a struggle. Last four seasons, though, the stats overall, yeah, I know, been pretty tough. Last year in the playoffs, he found it. If he finds it, and he's got that competitive nature, he's still fit. He's the, the competitive him and Dowdy are the two most competitive people that I've ever been around yeah. as far as players, as far as the hating to lose, as far as you can like to win, but hate to lose kind of guys. So having quickie going in with John Stevens, our defense coach from our cup teams and Alec Martinez singing the praise like Logan Thompson is probably their number one. But if you all of a sudden Jonathan quick catches his game, finds lightning in a bottle. Uh, and if anybody can do it, it's him. Just think about the dynamics of him. The thought was almost like, what's going to happen on March 16 when Jonathan Quick goes back as a Columbus Blue Jacket and gets a tribute video? Like, he might just take his glove off and start wailing on somebody because that wasn't going to happen. But now to go back with a chance of being a part of a team that's a contender. That's just, you want the story to end, whether it ends this way, whether he's done with his career, I have no idea. But that's the way it's got to end for someone like Jonathan Clark. Yeah, and, and you always feel bad as a hockey fan watching stuff like that. And I'm sure, again, for you, who has genuine personal connections, who won two cups with him, um, yeah, it, it must have stung you in a certain way. But when you get a chance to bring in that level of talent to that team, where it's a Gavrikov and a Corpusalo and... And really, because that wasn't just some lateral trade, right? Where you look at it and go, you guys were willing to throw an icon under the bus for this or risk your team chemistry for this. That that one was at least enough significance to me where I went, oh, okay. In a wide open Western conference, yeah. you got a goalie who I actually do think can get the level of hot now that you're talking about where Quick was in the prime of his career with Corpus Allo. All that remains to be seen. And I'm not questioning the trade yeah i'm crazy i'm just, I just think when you have a player who's that much of an icon i don't think the trade happened 10 minutes before the game in winnipeg mm-hmm. if you pull jonathan quick who clearly his last three starts i think he's been about an 820 percentage and just say hey quickie this might be coming down the pipe right there's some so it's the lack of heads up you have I, the and, and i don't know exactly but i it, it didn't just come on like yeah. as they blurted the plane to winnipeg and i and that's not it's a tough decision to, to be made but i think when that it comes to that level of superstars you said you see the way I mean, everybody, the way they Dustin Brown went out, that's the way, you know, you want things to go, the way they're treated. They, they're so magical with those kind of moments mm-hmm. that I just felt there had to be a way before they went on the road to just say, hey, we might have to be doing something here. Like, mm-hmm. we, we, we keep going back to you and it's not working. And I just, the, the, the way it went down because they were trying to beat a media deadline, that's a tough one for that kind of player. Okay, Mike, so should the Leafs have done that trade? What's that? I would have, but I mean, I'm I'm too Jonathan Quick bias. I mean, no, no, but I'm saying, should the Leafs have jumped that market? Like, did they did they play everything right, considering all the team needs? Because basically, right now, a lot of people are looking at this and saying, "Yeah, you've made a lot of awesome moves, and everyone celebrated things greatly, right?" But now it does feel as though maybe not the prices are coming down. But I was pretty surprised that, and and I understand that you know a guy that you really like has term and is someone that is controllable. But when you went and saw Tyler Bertuzzi go for just like a first and a fourth, and it's a late first and a fourth, I went, oh, okay, maybe, maybe this is a sign that the market is shifting in a certain way. And then Gavrikov and Corpusalo, again, rentals, which you don't really want to have as a general manager. I understand Kyle Dubas. Bertuzzi's no. UFA, no? Yeah, he is. That's what okay. I'm saying. All these okay. guys are rentals. You know, he's got term. And I mean, I'm not yeah. comparing. The players are both 
you could make an awesome. argument either one of the guys you want them. I get I get it exactly what you mean. Yeah. I I just mean that trade specific. Well, those are three guys I think specifically that. Well, one has absolutely been linked to Toronto for quite some time in Tyler Bertuzzi. Like they've had interest in him. And I think maybe they would have even had him had it not been for COVID and vaccination statuses and, and weird stuff like that. But Corpusalo and Gavrikov, two guys that would have fit this team and it would have potentially upgraded in you and net. Would you have wanted to see Toronto do something like that? Do you think they're going to explore something like that today? Whether it's something big like a Soros or something small where it just adds a little depth? Well, if they're not at least dipping their toes in. And Elliot's better. Like, Elliot, he doesn't think there's going to be a goaltending move. Um, I can't think, but if you paint the picture, I get, and this is, I got told tip of the cap, and I've done this for Kyle in the past. Like, when he brought Felino in, mm-hmm. like, he's addressed some places, um, and their goaltending has let them down, right? And so for, I don't agree with the statement where at this stage uh, you say, hey, he's done he's done his job, sit back and let the players do their job because if for some reason the goaltending's leaky, that's still on them as those are the goalies they chose to take to the promised land. Um, and I'm not, because you're going against Vasilevsky, I think now with what the, the Leafs have addressed, that's the only area that is a clear, you know, and not that Samson can't outplay him, but it's a clear advantage Tampa, right, in the goaltending position right It'd be really now. tough to see Samson outplaying him. No, I, I'm just yeah. saying. I'm just. I'm, yeah. I, I'm just trying to be. Yeah, but it's on. Anything can happen in hockey. But it's a real. The odds of the, the best goaltender in the world being mm-hmm. the better goalie are there. But the guy I, who literally were like, maybe he ends up having a career that's better than any goaltender other than maybe Hasek. Yeah, in, in the world and quick. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> not really. That's you got to go. Yeah. Quick. No, but yeah. no, but uh, I think if you look at, you know, that position. But the one thing I think they have done is make the goaltending position an easier position to play. Yeah. Because no question. by adding the guys that they have around them, you've got some guys that are you're not going to have so many of those wild scrambles when they kind of break down or they go all offense and it makes Morgan Riley's job easier. It takes a little heat off Mark Giordano because you've now got some like I love McCabe too. That's the other one. Like and he's a total leader, he's a warrior. I mean, you can knock some foot, but that's the kind of guy you need and for him to have a no trade to Canada, it also tells me and he did because I know some teams out west that were trying to get him that he wasn't going. For him to make a decision to be a Toronto Maple Leaf tells me he's all in to win a cup too. So that's a good feeling. Of course, like teams out west, like yeah, it's Vancouver. No, no, <laughs> it's like, no, no I know it's Calgary's yeah. interested too. I, I know, mean, yeah, but, doing, but it's yeah. like oh wait, you going? Yeah, I get it. But it, there's certain markets, and I feel bad. Like there's some that, but Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver. These are nice, great. These, but it's for American players. Sometimes it's a tough decision, right? You and know, that's why it's so hard for Winnipeg to have players. No offense. Yeah, of but course. It's a, it's it's a tough thing, and it's hard for them to give up first round picks because those are their gold mines because they have contractual hold over them. I mean, so it's a tough situation, especially the year they're coming to having because you'd like to see them today add somebody. But I know we're, we're talking about the Leafs, but yeah, I'd love to see them do something with the goaltending. Have a look at it. I mean, I'm not because nobody knows what's like at this stage. We've gone from. What a trade, Matt Murray. He's the best in the world, and and then he, he. What happens? There's a history of injury. It's no knocking. We don't know. We we know when he's healthy, what he's capable of, but he hasn't proven to be healthy. Now it's Samsonov's awesome, and Matt Murray's going to be a great backup. So anytime you're doing that, and I'll go back to our feeling with Jonathan Quick mm-hmm. when he went in the net, there was an absolute shock if a bad, like somehow a bad goal beat him, right? Uh, and the saves he made on top of it that were extraordinary were just became part of the norm. So I think there's still a level of when you see Samsonov play exceptionally well, there's a little bit of the yeah. factor. Not, no question. And that's that's a tough one going in when you're expected to have, 
you know, again, if this team's going to be evaluated on one round of the playoffs, so be it. But this is supposed to be a deep run team, and you've got to get exceptional goaltending for that to happen. If they come with a godfather deal to, say, a team like Nashville for Soros, do you think that's a big enough upgrade? And he's controllable. He's got, I think it's $5 million per for the next oh, two done, seasons. He's done it. And, 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 that's what I'm and, saying. Is he, that a big enough upgrade to you? Yeah, but yeah. He's, he's also, and this is not a not, again, because it's not a knock on, it's, He's done it, but he's he's been a knock on wood healthy. Mm-hmm. Like he's been able to remain healthy, and that's the only that's my problem with the current group. I mean, especially Matt is it is it hard to stay healthy? I don't know how many games Matt Murray's going to get before I was saying there's 20 games left. Well, he says he's playing Saturday, and I think at some point they're they're home and they know what they're playing. I think I personally against still the Canucks think, like this Saturday. That's what I uh, Elliot was talking about. Oh, that was a spicy one. I don't oh. know about that. Well, I mean, right. Reed's listens. I mean, I, when I pick up my phone down there, I'm talking to my mom and dad. Yeah, he's talking to <laughs> he's talking to guys just like, hey, broke another one. So what another. you're saying is this just in? Mike Fuda, good son, Elliot Friedman, uh, TBD. <laughs> we're not great, really, great husband, great husband. Yeah, what, we're great, not really. He's digging in. That yeah. phone just goes off. Last night we was on the show and I'm just watching him like mm-hmm. that thing's just blowing up, dude. Unreal. And I got people like sending me pictures of me at a bar. Yeah. Hey, you're on the big screen, eh? Nice. I'm like, well, yeah. I got to trade. I got to trade to announce. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sweet. Okay, so um, this is the other one with the Leafs. And and this is something I feel like you would be starting to feel is how much do you think Kyle Dubas' reputation has just changed in the last year and even after this deadline in terms of the things that he's addressed? Because to me, there has been a subtle nod from around the league of, wow, he really put on the big boy pants and did this big deadline and was willing to move off of players that he had history with. He was willing to move off of younger players. He was willing to move off of players that analytically were great for some guys that don't, uh, don't show up as favorably. Um, yeah, just from a, a reputational standpoint, I'm not saying that it was bad before, but has it shifted for him, do you think, in your opinion, in the last 24 hours? For, or like, let's Wait, say my opinion? Week, yeah, last week and a half. Well, first of all, he's he's got a brilliant mind, right? Yeah. This guy works, right? And sure. he's gone through a lot of different things. So for me, I don't think it's ch- – I give another pat on the back. I mean, I, I still think the year, and I'm on the record when they – and I don't know, have it in front of me, but when they added Felino, right, mm-hmm. I absolutely – that was exactly what they needed. I know. They just got unlucky. He right? back. And he got hurt. Six games later or whatever, and right? people and, look back on that. he got hurt. And you think history. about that – like – Forget about the, you know, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, Boston thing. I mean, you Columbus and Montreal, and I know it was different because of the crowd and stuff like that in the bubble, but I'm convinced if Felino doesn't get hurt, and I think JT when he got hurt that he year did. too. He did. Well, he got the They're ugly not losing injury. that first round, and, and, the, and nobody's talking about this anymore. Plus, so they I brought think, in sleeper cell Galchenyuk, who was still playing well, for the I other side. I think every year, I think every year, I think every year, oh my God, every yeah. year he's tried to make this happen, and this year he did it again, but it's got to happen. Mm-hmm. It's got to happen because there's still the gray for me. The gray area is still in that, right? So it's not completely. But it, but did he do his reputation? That was amazing, and I mean, Pridham should get. I mean, cap guys at this time of year to figure this out, and I know mm-hmm. Kyle's really strong in that area too. But you got to give your cap guy huge credit for figuring out ways to make these things happen. Of course. And the bottom thing, the, the other part I love about this is when you, if you go on cap, uh, whatever the Toronto Maple Leaf line combinations, the one area that looks a little bit hmm, middle six. Well, no, left, there's a left wing spot that was vacated, right? Yeah. And there comes Nice, right? If he's that good, if he's that good, you didn't, you didn't lose your top guy. You still mm-hmm. have that ability to come in and give him a shot without the pressure now of you better Mike. perform. It, Mike, this is Toronto. 
I don't know. Oh, if you've I heard. know. Well, everybody, this guy. When the I guy mean, comes up as twenty years old, and if he goes on a frozen four run, and they hoist one, and okay, he well, scores a bunch of goals, he comes in here like uh, you might recall things like Matt Stajan's first game where he scored a goal, and it became hey. Matt Stajan, when do you think he'll be first ballot Hall of Famer or second ballot? Like, which well, is but, it I, gonna... but it's the same thing. Like at this stage, we get to a point where it, we start talking about anywhere. players. Like, and it's any. I mean, but I mean, yeah. Gabrikov, no, no, no offense. Mm-hmm. Okay, like they're not renaming the Norris after him. They might, and it's like, but it's the way when you start yeah. talking about guys, you're like, oh my god, this yeah. guy, this guy, and he's a good player. He's yeah. a really good player. But again, and every that's my biggest problem coming back and living in Toronto is I love the passion, but it's here. Yeah. which is through the roof, and it's, oh, my God, they did it again. Like, And it's, like, somewhere in the middle. And that's why I think some of these guys that haven't felt that before, like yeah. Ryan O'Reilly are going to be real. Mark Giordano, a little bit last year, but, you know, that yeah. this is he's getting near the end. This what he, even to a certain extent, even though he's not in the lineup, Wayne Simmons, he still wants to be here to be a part of it, yeah. right? to be a part of it and win a cup in Toronto. So they've got the pieces there, and Shenner, that, you know, and – the local people, like when you see the passion that Marner talks about and stuff like that, I just think if they can ever get it done, it's going to be beyond special, but you got to manage your expectations. And I know that's impossible in this city. Yeah. And I guess what, guess what I tell people to never do. Don't manage them. Let them go wild. Well, Let them go buck wild. Are you listening to this? And you are, you're a Leaf fan. They, they can't take anything from you. You're already the butt of every single joke. Yeah, every arena they, you go to, they chant 67 at you. Like, I, I guess it's where I'm living. Yeah. Well, 67. No, you're a pro. I mean, but I got two cups, and yeah, I, yeah. I live in Toronto, so this yeah. is a dream. And I mean, yeah. it's a, it's coming back and being your friends and saying, "Hey, you ever, <laughs> you ever see one of these? <laughs> you know, this isn't even the replica." Hey, Mike, get up! <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was going to get tossed to you, but I like get up. <laughs> this is the way I look at it. And there's certain things like that we talk and we use terminology. The one is I, yeah. he won the summer. I hate that, right? He won the trade deadline. The team that won the trade deadline, okay, is the team that gets to meet Phil with the white gloves. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's like the Jack Adams. It's just, it's you know once it's like one of those awards that feels so straight when you see like you know some guy gets Jack Adams who gets beat out in the first round and there's some hungover coach at the awards ceremony with mm-hmm. a Stanley Cup ring and they're Best. going and the coach of the year. Like, so I'm like right now the team that has done the most to make their team better in my opinion right now it's just still early but I think. The Toronto Maple Leafs and the Boston Bruins, which is hard to imagine the Boston Bruins doing everything. The Bruins thing is infuriating. It really is. It's well, just but there, like we they talked did. about it. And it's you know, not Orlov a knock. has eight points in three games. It, well, and it's not a knock, but it's when you're when you're eight. when your studs. I did the thing when your studs are coming in at when you got Bergeron and yeah. Krejci at a total of three five. I think it is, and you got your core Leafs at you. You don't have the ability to make the moves that Boston was able to do, and now. And now you hate to say it, but because you get that injury that he doesn't sound like he's done for the year, but like it sounds like Felino and Halsey are going to come racing out just yeah. a la Kucherov. Yeah. So you're allowed to add Bertuzzi, which yeah. you're just I like, love oh. that. I loved that yesterday. The whole idea of, oh, well, no, the, the injuries might be like really significant. I was like, those guys will both be ready for the first round. Well, they're significant. And I'm trusting, sure. I know, I know yeah. one of the players really well. And it's, he's just, and he was, yes. he was a leaf. Yes. And it just crushed him because no, he doesn't hey. want to miss a minute and it's a legitimate injury and he's praying that he can get back. In Mike, high. and you would have talked to him like I did when he mentioned how bad that injury was when he was in Toronto oh, and yeah. what he was playing through and oh. how miserable he was and how just his back was jacked up. There was 
Like, yeah. the fact that he played at all is insane. Yeah. It was like there was no chance no. of him being available for the stretch run with no. what he was going through. No, uh, and still gutted it out, and that's why it still bothers me to this day that people look at that trade as, like, some kind of a bust move or one of Dubas's worst moves. I'm like, that move was well, good. Well, it just was you, the injury. But that, exactly, and that's why I, I can't look yeah. at this and say, well, it's about time Kyle did this because he's done it in the past. Yeah. But is this it, is a different level, though. This is where he, like, dude, they turned over 33% of the roster where it's well, fully healthy if this is what they're going to come in here with. And wait till you see, if you see that third period that they played last night, it was gorgeous. Yeah. They played a heavy attention to detail. Calgary got five shots. I know the Flames are not in a good way right now, but it the was just... The one thing they do is get shots. Yeah, and guess what? Toronto... And I, even Daryl, for Daryl Sutter to talk about them, and I didn't see it. Yeah. And... uh and I could, I, it was like, whatever. It was an, a very early night. So I'm sitting there looking, going, I, all I watched was Daryl's press conference. And for him to be heaping that amount of praise on the way the Leafs shut them down. Yep. Tells me. They were Daryl doesn't like talking about opponents. Yep. Ever. Right. And. I like that. That's a good quote from you. You're back in my good graces. You said Daryl doesn't like yeah, talking about opponents. Yeah. The, the Leafs, Daryl's <laughs> gushing about the Leafs. I'm like, big noted Leaf fan, Daryl Sutter. <laughs> yeah, he's gushing. It's just like a conflict. He's, he's like not a, a Hallmark card. Yeah, it's like he's he a... couldn't contain himself. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, last, I love those Leafs. Last one from me, though. Um, who, do you, who do you play with Morgan Riley? Like, how do you balance these pairings? Because they've got... Everyone keeps talking about how they have nine defensemen. I think they have seven because Gustafson and Connor Timmins, no offense, they're not getting in the playoff roster. Uh, it's just not going to happen unless there's multiple injuries. So they've got seven guys. I pro- I'm, pro- I'm probably going Shen. With with yeah. Morgan Riley? Yeah. It's early tape, but I still think Morgan is the one, like, con- just a lot consistently, of consistently. Well, I love the – I, I don't I, – I'm a big – as you get older, I think it's it's tough to go righty with a left-hand shot mm-hmm. when you're playing. I think that was a little bit of an exposure against uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl. And as I've got them as a pass in the game. Yeah. But it's just, I I know when they say, like, even when they came in like with Muzz, they're like, oh, we're going to have them play the right side. Muzz, yeah, there's Muzz, NHL. That, he's like, I've never played left side. That was a, be, that was a media opinion. creation. Everyone no, said Babcock, that here. Babcock said it. Well, yeah, guess right? what? It was it, wrong. Well, he can't do it. But yeah. I mean, you watch how tough it is <laughs> against that kind of speed to play yeah. her offside. So I think the one guy that still kind of, when they go all lockdown, still struggles a little bit with the defensive side because he's just so go, go, go. And Schenner's just going to always be a rock back there, right? Like Brody mm-hmm. can buy into the, we're shutting down. That's Geo's game now. So, I, I mean, I mean, whole. I thought I, the game against uh, Edmonton. I mean, for anybody that sits there and says, "You see, Nugent Hopkins kicked." A, I was one of the best games I've ever seen. Whole play in, in uh, so ever. You're, you're and I'm not. And I know. I know that there's the holes that are there and stuff like. Oh, she, Makes two million bucks, man. Like it's not as he's though an effective. He's, play, he's an effective. He's guy. effective for two million. I know this is. And, this, they, and I'll tell you what. There's yeah. something to be said. Like I know what coaches have those guys like. Daryl Sutter's got the picture of Trevor Lewis in his wallet, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, if you go watch us play, watch Trevor Lewis. Those are our systems. Yeah, I love and that. And clearly, uh, Kiefer's got it, had that for Engvall, and he had that for for Justin, right? Mm-hmm. And the team, and that's probably more why, like, I mean, they're great teammates, right? I mean, I, I think the upgrade and the and the dirt that was added to the lineup at the expense of Engvall was exactly what they needed. And that's, that's and you never see that in the playoffs. You never see a guy that, that's physically built not have a mean bone in his body and you're never gonna, you're not going to teach that in two weeks whereas some of these other guys like when bunting gets her going and when these other guys these are rats you know like it's going to be unbelievable to watch like you know the way these guys play and now you you got Marshawn and Bertuzzi in the same lineup like it's going to be something 
I know the players are gonna be great. Mike, uh, enjoy the rest of the day down the desk. You're at the what the front office panel. They're gonna. I'm come at to the. You. Uh, I'm in. The- <laughs> Tuna sandwich. Don't eat the tuna, the okay? No, I'm I, not. They're, they're, they're awesome down there. And the, the, the fun part is going to be if they let these guys go. Like, I mean, yeah. as I said, I've coached Biss and traded for him and, and called her cup with him. If they let these guys have their fun today, yeah. like, because if they're in trades, like, listening to them last night, Colby yeah. Armstrong, who yeah. is one of the funniest human beings in the world. Uh-huh. That's the first time I've been out with Getzlov. He's got uh-huh. the same Bieksa and... Mm-hmm. It was just like I, my eyes were watering without yeah. the laugh channel going on. So when they slip to the management booth, if I'm supposed to look serious, yeah. as I look at those two guys, those groups tell stories, it'll be something. So That's awesome. Uh, again, coverage all day long today. Mike Fuda. Uh, I appreciate it. Up rings. And Thanks good for luck. Coming, man. I, th- I love you. I, at least you always mention that. If, I think they've, they, I'm like just an analyst now downstairs. I'm the, still the got two the cups. cups? Two cups. I'll always mention the Thank cups. Thank you. Fight. I appreciate that. Two means rings. A lot. And I've told you. I have like all the guys I've for got those three teams. daughters. I know. That's I've what I was going to say. The who was most impressed with the Drake situation? Like. <laughs> they don't know yet. They don't know about the Drake situation last night. Well, yeah. They would they're be, gonna be like, where's the picture, Dad? And you're going to go, uh, uh, yeah, uh, you yeah. blew it. Actually, don't bring it up. <laughs> Mike Fuda, two cups. Head back down to the desk. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for uh, Quick break. We'll come back. And uh, yeah, Paul Bizonette soon. All right, we're back. And Paul Bizonette is here. Oh, like the tunes here. Yeah. Old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get the juices flowing. What's going on, boys? Nothing, man. Uh, it's nice knowing you're, like, you're coming down here. It's great to have you in studio. Thank you. It's Pro- like talk radio. We're talking really low here. Yeah. We're yeah. whispering no, to each other. No, dude, this studio. I was going to say, you didn't need to put the headphones on, but it is oh. nice to hear yourself, right? Like, no, I, I have to. I yeah. have to. Wit, wit doesn't put them on. I like to put them on. Yeah. I just figured, you know, your television, you're down at the main desk today. Yeah. They're coming to you. For I those. don't know how I how I got there. Yeah. I, I belong money. in places like this. <laughs> no, but yeah, that's, <laughs> that's how you got there. They brought you a big bag of money. They're like, you want to take this? And you went, sure. <laughs> I was thinking today, it's like, hmm, is Biz making more money today for a trade deadline than I'm getting? all year no, 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 no i just came here for the per diem pack and to oh, see yeah. juice yeah. Bieksa, f- a former nice. niagara region fella heard you guys saw drake yesterday we okay so we were at uh, soto soto which yeah. is a famous italian restaurant yeah. here that's probably now overpriced considering everybody talks about it and the fact that drake hangs i was gonna out say there. they had you guys they hosted you and you're like overpriced oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> just double up the appies let's go here so uh we were hanging out and uh, it was six of us at the table yeah. and all of a sudden army just starts waving to the front and and, and i turn around and it's drake and then i look back at him and i'm like do these guys know each other? So I turned around and kind of like half waved. Oh. And then I saw Drake's face was like, who the, who the hell are these losers? And he was actually waving to the guy <laughs> in the back corner who's who's like a famous guy in town named yeah. Eddie. I'm sure some people listening know who the guy yeah. is, but he's with, uh, with, with Kessel. So uh, yeah, it was a, it was a pretty uh, a pretty surreal mo- moment. And actually a couple days ago at the Four Seasons in Atlanta, I was coming off the elevator and J. Cole was there. Yeah. So it's just like, just rapper central all of a sudden. J. Cole is the man. Like the I, man. I love J. Cole. Yeah. But Drake is like him coming into a room. You're like, holy crap. That's a different thing. Like I've been at Raptors games where you just see him from afar and you just kind of end up looking at him going, wow, Drake. Yeah, because yeah, you finally see him in person yeah. after seeing him online for all these yeah, years. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And he's just so big. Oh, yeah. And it's it's wild because you'll be at the Raptors game and there'll just be people just screaming at him from far away being like, I love you, Drake. Yeah. They can't. Does, does he give Does he give them this courtesy no, wave? No, no. He no, gives, he pigeon tosses no, them? No, yeah, 100%. Wait, uh, he, buddy, if he starts, like, giving waves to every single person, like, that's the funny, The my favorite part of this story that you tell me, though, is 
So you've seen it down there. Colby, oh, yeah. uh, he is the golden retriever of work. Everybody <laughs> loves him, right? Like he's coming around. He's, like, <laughs> he's the best. And he's they're the just best. rubbing behind his ears. He's like, hey, you know, he's running around the office. He's the best guy. It's a great like, way to describe I him. I love him to death, but that is who he is. Like there's every, it's funny because, and I'm victim of this too. Everybody thinks they're closer with Colby than they actually are. Yeah, like, yeah, everybody a, thinks they're his really good friend because he's just the best. You should see him at when he used to be here for the office Christmas parties. I'd see him for like five seconds. He'd come up, hey, buddy, what's going on? And I'd be like, I'll just see you later, man. There's going to be a thousand That's the Canadian people. in him. I know. That's he, why we love him. He's the best. That's why we, we got him on board with Chicklets for course, that reason. Man, you know, he's great. just a good Game guy notes. to be around. And, uh, you know, he's, he's obviously got his reps. He's done pr- plenty of TV and media. So yeah. uh, I'm happy for him. I'm oh, pumped dude. that he's here, too. Uh, man, it's he's he's the best guy. Yeah. But the point is, is he would see Drake. And Drake would wait. Well, they're buddies now. I think he went and, and dabbed he would, him up. Yeah, I think it. he's actually going to feature on his next song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Considering he released he would, it so and now many. Drake's probably telling people, like, you know my good friend, Colby Armstrong? He's a good guy. Yeah. I'm glad he made it in on time today, though. That's yeah. good for him because, yeah, he's been late for these before. Uh, four check. <laughs> yeah. Back check. Paycheck. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be good. A little beatbox from, uh, from our boy Colby Armstrong coming in. Man, you know, it's funny. Like, I, I want to get into some of these trades and things with you, but uh, we've talked about this in the past, you and I, uh, just about the growth of the podcast and chick yeah. and all of these different things. And one of the things that I think it doesn't, it's, it's not like a bother thing. It's more just a hobby of mine to continuously bring up is I'm surprised more guys don't follow a bit of your blueprint. And like, I get that you're like, you can't fake your personality, right? Like you're you and you're confidently you and you're kind of unafraid to do that. And it's, this has always been the thing. Like even Feuda was just in here and he's talking about you and Saginaw like, oh, yeah. off and going right into his office and trying to get, I tra- forced him to trade for yeah, me too. And sound, but that's what I'm saying. You can't, you can't fake a lot of what you got you. So you can't force it for some guys, but there's so many dudes in the league that are interesting, fun to be around. And I'm surprised that we're still at a spot where it's essentially you guys doing this thing and then nobody else has really been able to follow the beats of kind of what you guys are doing with your career. Why do you think that is? I, I don't know. I, I think that uh, obviously I'm very fortunate. Uh, my mother had a very strong work ethic and I mm-hmm. took after that. And I guess like any guy who made the NHL works, works very hard. Um, I'm fortunate for the fact that the, the Twitter experience mm-hmm. early on worked out for me and I was playing in a market where it was able to, to grow, where I was able to actually show my personality. Yeah. And, and I think that more guys playing in bigger markets probably would have been fearful of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've told this story um, here before, but when I got claimed off waivers, three teams put a claim in. It was Minnesota, Toronto, in Arizona, but because Arizona had finished the worst of those three teams, I ended up there. Whereas if I would have ended up in Toronto, like there's no way I could have. Who was GM? Oh God, it might have been. It was Fletcher at the time, maybe. Okay, because I was gonna I, say depends on who the GM. The one was who got Burke. fired for trying to claim me. Yeah, they, they probably they probably gassed them actually on the spot. Yeah, like they, Cliff, you're just an advisor now. They're like, what were you smoking? <laughs> this guy's terrible. Yeah. Uh, so so that just I guess gave me the confidence, and then yeah. through that, you know, Sportsnet and other channels would reach out where I would do these content pieces, and then fortunately when I retired, I met Pasha, my mm-hmm. my videographer. So I was okay driving my own bus and putting myself out there. And then fortunately enough, met up with Wit and Grinelli and those guys who who were working for Barstool and, and Spit and Chicklets. And it worked out because they were also already doing their thing. And I think a big component to all that was, you know, we didn't really have anybody, you know, telling us you can't do this, you can't do that. It, it was mm-hmm. carte blanche, you know, go, go be yourselves, go be creative. So um, why other guys don't do it? I mean, I mean, for a lot of reasons, maybe they didn't have that confidence instilled to them early through maybe the social media aspect and tweeting and then going to do all those content pieces. And, and And the reason I brought up Pasha 
And I think part of it is also fear-based because when I, when I didn't sign an NHL contract after I was done in Arizona, uh, mm-hmm. before I ended up going to the American League, I was on my couch for a month and I, I went to a bit of a depression. And I think at that point, and I, fortunately enough, I ended up playing three more years, got to win a Calder Cup. Futes, who was just in here talking, yeah. he brought me on board with Manchester. Yeah, I'm forever works. grateful for him. I, I owe him like my life. Uh, but um, you know, I, I, after that, that fear just really, like, it, it taught me that when, when it's all over and it's done, nobody's going to save you. So you got to get moving. You got to you go out there and put yourself out there. And the minute I retired that, that summer, I did that film project called Biz Does BC. Yeah, I remember and that. It, yeah, is it earth shattering? Is it anything? It, it, it was what it was, but what it did, it, it taught me logistics. It taught me to get up and have to do my own work, line up and, and reach out to these guys where we ha- would have to video with them. Uh, taught me how to edit, taught me how to act and be in front of the camera a little bit. So just... If for any guys who would want to do it, you just got to put yourself out there. Yeah, there's some days where you go home and you don't feel so great about yourself because you landed on your face. But but like life, you just got to get up and keep going. So I would like to see more guys take that approach, but but only if that's something that they want. If yeah. they want that media career and they want to do that, go do it. So for my path, it was just a, a lot of fortunate bounces and a lot of self-drive. And, and like I said, fear fear is probably a little bit of a component. So there's a couple things. One is you definitely always had that gear. I remember even early on with still like Phoenix when it was Phoenix. Yeah. And you doing videos and people sharing them around and going, yeah. this guy's really funny. Okay. And it was either you going around. <laughs> I talking, try hard. But it was, but they were, they were good. It was either you in the dressing room screwing around yeah. with the guys or it was like, I think you were giving out sticks to fans or something like that, or you were asking them what they knew about the Coyotes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. So they would have me do man on the street, yeah, style yeah, stuff, stuff like that. And, and you were doing it, and then, but it was funny because I didn't obviously really know you at the time, and I was like, "This guy is he on the team?" Yeah, yeah, exa- <laughs> like, exactly. Like, well, that's that's part of what I had to do. I had to wear yeah. the Howler outfit as yes. the mascot when I wasn't playing too. Yeah. So I was a bit of a jack of all trades no, when I was at the Coyotes. Once you started to pivot out of it, I remember too, like you started to build up the social media following, and you were always good about. Like I used to book you on late night radio shows yeah. just through DMs. Yeah. You're like, hey, you want to do this? You'd yeah, be like, yeah, sure. I was fire. definitely more accessible back well, then. Yeah, Obviously, with now. with th- like things have progressed, it's hard, right? Because you you want to remember all the people who showed you love early on, and you want to be able to come on their shows and snap it around. Um, you know, it's it, it's hard yeah. just the amount of, I guess I've asked now, but but How overall, you get a day? what's that? Let me get a day. Uh, I get quite a bit. I still have this. I've had the same. You still number. are accessible. I know you are, but that's what I'm saying is. Everybody has like booked you for shows for forever, and you used to have just like I think you. I don't want to put that up there, but you used to have at least the Twitter DMs open, and so it was like, I, yeah, I just I, I I delete my apps quite a bit now. Okay, I'll yeah. go on tweet, and then I'll get off the apps. Yeah, I'll delete. But them every up once in a while, you know, you'd be able to DM with you. You'd be able to hit you up and be like, okay, and this guy's. Yeah. Like, and then all of a sudden, it's like you get so accessible that things start to take off too much that now you got to really manage your time differently. And especially- I, th- I think a, a component to it too is is, is oversaturation. And and I know it's a type stuff. of industry no, you where do. you just got to constantly be in the loop. Where you know sometimes it's nice to go away and be able to you know come back and and then it's fun again. So I like I like a little bit of the breaks, dude. Of course, yeah. And I want everybody, all my young lads on the show, of the support squad, to listen to what. Biz was saying about failing and how it's okay and learning how to edit and do all the stuff because, dude, that's the only way. Yeah. What you did, that's the best way for a media career. It's the same thing, man. I started as an uh, intern. 
I cut clips. Yeah. I learned how to edit. I produce late shows. Dude, you have to grind early. If you love it, you'll get it. So that's the part of the blueprint you can't teach to somebody, right? You can kind of lead them to water and say, hey, these are the steps that you can take in order to get better at something. If you want to be yourself, I wish there was more of that, though, is that I'm saying. It's like, I don't know why still so many guys are afraid to be like what Marshan's doing right now, where everybody's enjoying. And I know he has the stripes as a player and he's got the cup and there's still that hierarchy in hockey where it feels like, well, the better you are, the more you're allowed to say and the lower you are, it's kind of like, you know, be quiet, shut up, fall in line. I wish that would kind of go away a little bit because that to me is like the blueprint of what you guys have done where it's like, man, you and Colby, like you guys are two of the funniest guys ever. People will listen to your stories all day long and it just, it still doesn't feel like there's enough guys in the league, even who are getting closer to the end of it, that are willing to just open up let fans in on this a little bit more and give just some access to it. Yeah, I don't know if it's a, like a hockey culture thing too, where everybody wants to you know be part of the team and not stick out individually. Definitely is. I think it's that's huge. That, you that's also from a young age. Yeah, right? it's part, it's part yeah. of the culture. Where where, where I didn't mind because I was more of a clown. You know, I I obviously didn't have the the resume that Brad Marchand does. I think that you have to ha- be extremely mentally strong if you're going to walk both lines. Though, yeah, for a guy that has that much responsibility on the ice to to go out and tweet and 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 joke around online and and even obviously get criticism Dude, for that. How funny that stuff. is it too? Whenever they ask him about these things now, they'll be like, Brad, why did you say <laughs> some dark man? Brad, why did you say this thing? He'd be like, I don't really care. I'll just screw yeah. it. And he just like dismisses it immediately. Well, that like, ah, and that about the, the Edmonton thing. He's like, well, everybody was thinking yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why I love him. Just a subtle jab. Do you know how much it sucks living in Toronto and loving Brad Marchand? Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, that's a, you might get shanked no, for that it's here. it's the worst. It's <laughs> so bad, but he is. He's just the man right now. Yeah. There's just no replicating kind of what he's doing. Yeah, he's uh, he's a Hall of Famer in my opinion. A, oh, guy, yeah. a guy who brings it every night, plays with an edge, and uh, yeah, very, uh, very charismatic. It'd be, it'd be nice if there was about 10 more players in the league that's like that. That's what I'm saying. That's all you need. I just want to have a couple more guys where it feels like there's a bit more juice in the game. Like somebody's talking, Brad coming into town and just basically starting up a fire and talking about the Leafs and how they're a good team and making the joke about Marner's dog. And I went, this is fun. And this is not to be overly critical because they're two different guys, whatever. But And it was happening during lots of trades for the Leafs, but McDavid and Matthews played the other night. And... It was like the game started, and I was like, oh, right, these are two of the game's best players going head-to-head, and there was just nothing. It was basically crickets. And I go, if this is the NBA, do you know how, or this is the NFL with a quarterback matchup of this caliber, or an NBA with a superstar matchup? This is like all we're celebrating all week long, and we're getting clips from different yeah. guys talking about. And with these two, it just kind of rolled into the game. It was done. And McDavid had, had five games in a row with two goals apiece, and, and Matthews just came off of a two-goal game after being pretty quiet, like a little bit before. Right. And I go, why are we just watching this right now with no hype, just wanting it to be quiet? That part of it stinks. I, I know for I know for money reasons, 82 games, I would like to see a, a, a smaller a, a smaller schedule. Definitely. Like maybe, I think know, that's the future of all sports. Yeah, just a little it. bit more gap in time to maybe build up those types of, of rivalries and those types of games. So... I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is long term. The, the Their markets are crazy too, though, which is the problem. Like you were talking about earlier with Arizona, where it gave you that freedom to just talk a little noise. Yeah, those two guys know any clip they ever uh, give you. It's going to be on. It would be hell. 
every to be show. those guys. Every is it that wor- bad though? Like, what is it? Because man, you're well, for me, I, for me, I did it to get a rise, and that was my entertainment. Where most uh, half the amount of games, I'd be a healthy scratch, right? So yeah. I was just trying to stir it up and, and joke around with the fans. And I think that the Arizona Coyotes fans appreciated it because they felt like they had a look inside the dressing room. Definitely. So maybe in some cases, I look more towards the the, the bottom line guys, where you you know, look Ryan Reeves. I thought he, I think he's done a, an excellent job. I could see him transitioning into media. He's definitely gonna no. Do I'll, I'll throw this guy's back at you. Who's the guy in Toronto right now who you view in the lineup who has the most personality and gives the fans probably the best inside look to what's going on? The best interview is definitely Muzzin, where he just says what's on his mind. Really? Again, Pedro, oh, dude, he's the man. Like okay. he just he if they ask him a question and he's got an opinion, he'll hit you with it. But he's not like he's with the team right now. But obviously he's dealing with the injury and he won't be back. And well, it's just more. They should of, have him with a mic in the locker room post game yeah, for all. For, just, for, but you know what sucks about a place like this is, and this is an Edmonton thing too. I think hockey kind of does a bit of a bad job of doing the like the players versus the fans in the media thing, where they try to hype it up like it's an adversarial thing. And yeah, are there times where media is going to take you out of context? Like you know how this happened, man. You work for Barstool. Like this happens all the time with your show, where people oh, yeah. are like, "Look at this that they did." And you're yeah, like, we we more just like yeah, mess around with I know it. You like, do, yeah, of course, it, but that's it, it, but that's the right mentality to have. Right? Yeah, I'm yeah. saying that. If you're a player and you're in this market, yeah, there's going to be days where, okay, social media is ablaze, so okay, you stay off your phone. But news cycles move so quick now that I I don't really understand why guys are so afraid of it because it's like – You've been buried under social media stuff before. Like, uh, uh, well, I also think like it just th- moves quick, though. Yeah, but it's gone in a day. Yeah, there's, two days. Yeah, I think that, the, that there's a major, major sensitivity that has moved online too. Like the needle of humor. When I like early days, when I was tweeting some stuff, people were like, if I said that now, they'd be like, you're done, right? Yeah, but I'm saying that if you're on the Leafs right now, you're Matthews or you're Marner, or whatever. And again, these guys don't have to force it if they don't have to say it. But a little bit more transparency and just in terms of like what they're feeling in the moment rather than like this is what I'm saying about like pucks in deep culture, right? Where we get those interviews and people make fun of hockey players because they go, oh, yeah, they're giving the same PR answer. A lot of nights you'll watch the post game and you'll know the PR person went in there and went like, here's the talking points. And all the guys basically have the exact same things where they're doling them out. That's the part I don't get is why dudes don't want to just open up a little bit more, show a little bit more personality and just say, Hey, what's the worst thing that could happen here? Yeah. Like I get taken out but of context. I, but in for the same one. in the same breath, like it, it was it was a personality trait that I had, and that's Definitely why I you. did it. Yeah. If it, if it's not in them and it's it, it's not organic and that's not who they are as people, Can't it's hard it. it's hard to ask it from them. And it's the worst when guys I, the, do that. The, the, I mean, at least they're bringing it on the ice, right? They're they're, they're that's where they're showing yeah. their personality. And I think that the, the, these kids who come up too, like when I was growing up, I, I I loved hockey and I worked hard at it, and you know I would go train five days a week. I don't think I did the things that these guys are doing where they, you know, they, they have a, a, a meal prep coach or, you know, a nutrition guy, they have, you know, training, then they're going to like a yoga studio, then they're going to their skills coach. So maybe, you know, as far as like life experience and, and how serious they take their craft, that's maybe why they don't want to show that personality or don't have it in a sense of, of, of media wise, they probably feel comfortable with their friends opening up. Yeah. And, and also these guys are very young too. Yeah. They're still very young. I'll tell you this though right now. I think that, and I've been talking about this for a while now too, I think that professionalization of hockey, where it's like when you were growing up, I was growing up, if you're going to make it to where you made it, you had to love it. You had to breathe it. You had to just sleep it. And no one was going to push you other than yourself. Right. Now, a lot of the kids that are starting to go pro, 
they've been professionalized at like 14 years old. You have their hockey academies. They'll tell them like, you can't play other sports. This is the thing for you. And I think that it's taken a little bit of the joy out of it. And that from an early age now, guys are already becoming, like you said, meal prep, pro, sleep, yeah. workout, this, I that. Think that. I think that the standard has moved. And I think that it's, it's hard, right? I, I completely agree with you where I think that kids should be kids. But mm-hmm. you looked at how, le- uh, how young the league's gotten. Whereas if you don't do all those things, it's going to be hard to get to that level. No, and hard. then also impossible. In, yeah, impossible. And to also secure your bag, right? Because yeah. in today's NHL, it looks like most guys are going to be retiring now at 35 just yeah. because they're getting weeded out by all this young talent who where we know the skating's better, the skill set's better, all, all of it's better. They're not drinking a six-pack after games. No. They're drinking protein shakes. So their recovery's better. And I guess from a, from a game standpoint, 82 games, schedule they are a lot better in order to compete most nights because of all all those things that I just mentioned so yeah I I I don't know if I if I had a kid I probably wouldn't push him the way that maybe some of these other parents are pushing him but personally I had that I had that drive my parents wouldn't drive me to training um but I I, we we didn't really have access to all the things that these kids do have Mm -hmm. now um, but, uh, yeah, I, it's I changed so fast. Yeah. It's, it's changed. Cha- so it's changed fast, very man. quickly. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, before you go, I got to ask you about Leafs. I, I, I like them. Uh, I know I, I wasn't, I know cr- you like them. I, You're I the wasn't champion of them on social. I, I, I wasn't uh, crazy about that game against Edmonton, but I was talking with Elliot Friedman last night when we saw him at the, at the W and he was like, well, it's a tough game. Cause they have so many new guys in the lineup. So they're all getting adjusted to each other. Um, they did get tougher, and I think that you have to look at that first-round matchup and, and why they went and did that. I mean, focus on getting past the first round. They pick up Shen. They pick up Achari. I think that Ryan O'Reilly, regardless of where they have him, he's not going to be intimidated by that physicality that even if he's playing third-line center that the bottom six bring for Tampa Bay. So I think that they adjusted well. Am I maybe a little bit nervous that you've had all this success in the regular season so far this year with some smooth skating puck moving defensemen where they get rid of Sandine, they bring in, bring in, uh, is it McCabe? Yeah. They brought in McCabe it? and they brought in Shin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they, they, they bring in a, a few bigger bodies. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that first round matchup goes, but I think that Dubas has done everything possible in order to make this team successful. Goaltending still a huge question mark. I was hoping they were going to go out and get quick oh. just for, just for the drama aspect yeah. of it. But cap wise, I don't even know. They probably got like 16 capologists for the Leafs trying to figure out what's going on there. And you guys are just going to have to do stories all day today because I don't know how many trades are left. <laughs> I get just like everything's been done. It'll so be fun to yeah. break down all these teams though because yeah. a lot of them have new looks and, and I, this is probably the most excited I've ever been for, for playoffs in my entire life. Well, yeah, in the East. But even, but even the West because it, it, I know it's not the, the tier of, of where, where the East is but everybody mm-hmm. seems pretty even. Like, there's like the yeah. teams who are leading their division right now who don't make playoffs. That's how tight it is. So, And who knows, maybe the East beat themselves up and then all, you get to the finals and, and, and it's a little bit more even off. <sighs> that's, the, that's the only thing again about these playoff formats. It's I, I want to see best on best just like everybody else. I just don't need to see it first round. Like I don't need to see it right away and then have the war of attrition where all of a sudden it becomes who's healthier rather than who's well, better. In sometimes. this year's case, it wouldn't matter because yeah. the top six teams in yeah, the East all are all, all leading Vegas yeah, odds right they're now. They're all the best. It's going to be, it's going to be a cage match. Yeah. Um, why is not Matthew score more? That's your guy. What's happening here? Uh, well, I mean, he did come into the season with a wrist injury. Yeah. I, don't, I would imagine that has impacted his game. He did have a, a couple weeks off there. That was probably to rest it. Yep. Um, I don't know. I don't know. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's a question for him. 
Why don't yeah. you get down to the locker room? Send in Muzzin Buddy, and ask. We, you don't think we try to get them all the time? That's the thing. These guys have the thing where it goes, the media is the enemy. They are going to turn on you. I'm like, no, mostly they're your hype machine, actually. Look at, you know what's crazy? I grew up with the media where it would be the newspapers where it mattered, right? Where you'd read a paper and it'd be a headline. And they would go in on guys. Like, I still remember Brian McCabe. There was one that was like... I think it was Toronto Sun. It was like, Mick sucks. <laughs> it was just, it was ruthless. And his They were he, getting tired of his can dude, openers. He, exactly. And he was even saying that his kids were at school and they were getting their names made fun of. I had Hal Gill on the podcast, like, I don't know how long ago. He was talking about him and who was it? Uh, you remember who it was? Yeah, it was Joe? him and McCabe. And they were oh, it like was a, him and McCabe. They, they were like a they had a children's concert. Yeah. And they were at a children's concert with their kids and they were like, Hey, uh, some of the Maple Leafs are here. And the whole children's, all the dads, boo. Well, that could be another reason why they're not showing their personalities in the media, too, where they're they're in a shell because they can't even go enjoy their personal lives being away from the rink. (laughs) But that's why I think it's different now, though. Like, it's so much softer, I think, than it used to be. Social media is harder. Like, if you pick up your phone, you can find hate every day. And there's just the weird times where... You read a comment at the wrong time, and then you start drafting something. You're like, well, let me tell you something, yeah, 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 buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're just going, what's this for? This is all this person wanted today is for me to get mad and gauge and be pissed off. Right. But outside of that, like, I feel, I feel like media in general has become so much more just softer on players. Well, you, more so it's, it's hard because like, I, I, you guys are in Canada, so it's a whole different ball game with the hockey you side. Think it's, like, you I guys are like, it's I, the worst here. And most of the I, time we're like, I, how great was that guy? Yeah, I just, I, I, it's, it's hard for me to consume, especially from a TV aspect yeah, of and even radio. I just don't consume it. So I'm in the States and it's not too bad from the hockey perspective. We kind of just focus on what we got going and being silly and idiots yeah. and, and that's it. But yeah, it's a, it's a grind, man. So you think the Leafs beat Tampa in round one? I think that like just, as is. I think that Tampa is starting to look a little bit tired. It's been mm. lots of playoff games and lots of hockey over the past four years. So I just think on 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 the based on the tiredness and the hungriness of the Leafs and expectations, I think that they can beat them. I think I think it's going to go seven, but I I, I like them. Biz, you're the man. Thank you guys for yeah, having me. This is fun, dude. Yeah, yeah. And it's going to be a full I, day here at Sportsnet. Full. We're going to be on on television. You proud of me, Mom? I yeah. made it, dude. You your day today is like just remember it's a gauntlet remember that the money that's it's, 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 like, it's like the eastern conference dude, it's, you, it's a cage match i just want to tell you outside that door there's people waiting okay there's there's who? people who knows who knows who's I, we got ryan getzlov in house we got uh, obviously juice colby armstrong's back yeah, you're you're gonna have social media people today making you do videos you're gonna have the television people i'm a sports net whore today guys yeah, you are just use like, and abuse you're, me you're gonna be on kipper and born later <laughs> my my boys like okay. that's gonna be a fun one like you well, gotta full I pre- slate i appreciate all the all the tire pumps buddy it was, it yeah. was great chat with you guys and thanks for having me on yeah thanks biz thank uh, you take a quick break we'll come back ryan gets left you guys got a full it's- slate all right, NHL trade deadline day. Shocker, it's quiet. I wonder how much it's going to heat up the closer we get to 3 o'clock. But, yeah, as of right now, the only move has been... Well, actually, hold on a second. We've got a deal to report. This trade deadline update is brought to you by your local Ontario Subaru dealers. And, Joe, what is the trade? So, Jacob Vrana... Mm-hmm. Um, to Detroit, or sorry, Jacob Vrana to the Blues, and then to the say. Red Wings is a seventh-round pick in 2025 and Dylan McLaughlin. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. That's today's trade. Big one. Big one so far. Those guys down there are going to be telling stories. They go tell, I want to say they probably go tell four, right? That's how long the coverage ends up running till? Five? They do two hours after? 
why is Lance here? Get out, Lance. <laughs> like, like, what are you doing? She gets crowd the room. This is the thing. Here's here's what you got to know about another thing about today. On on days like today, all of a sudden everybody's around. You know, there's a lot of players. Paul Bizanet's here. Ryan Getzlaff's here, right? And all of a sudden, the lances come out of the woodwork <laughs> over here, and they're saying, "Oh, what what are you doing over here? He's never seen you on this side before." All of a sudden. People are pacing around. People are looking busy. Boy, oh it's a boy. Busy day, JD. Boy, if I could get the hustle from you guys today, that like the rest of time, wow, <laughs> what a show we would have here. What? In Lance's defense, he is doing the show out of here Buddy, after no one us actually today. Needed to know. Thanks for that, though. <laughs> Got it. As long as Lance heard, that's all. Yeah, no. Yeah, Lance appreciates you sticking up for him. The I, audience. I know he does. With the Spectre who they've never heard of before on this podcast. They're very appreciative that you jumped in there to give that defense of Lance. No, you know the drill. Everybody's moving around. Everybody's shaking around. Everybody wants to be a part of the deals. Anyways, um, yeah, back into it. Uh, I'm going to do a quick interlude here just on the raps last night. I, I can't get over this. I'm telling you, this team is just mediocre. They're just a mediocre ball club where guys do not fit very well together. And it's beyond frustrating watching them right now and seeing this product where, when, when do they play? They play tomorrow, right, against Washington again. It's basically back-to-back. Yes, sir. And it's like you shouldn't have must-wins against the Washington Wizards where, yeah, all of a sudden they lose that one and then they've got Nuggets, Clippers, Lakers, Nuggets, Thunder. Who? It's a gauntlet. And even after that, the, the Bucks are right after that a couple days later. Yeah. This is actually kind of the meteor part of their schedule that they've got coming up. But if you're in a battle with the Washington Wizards and Kristaps Porzingis and Bradley Beal, what does that say about where your organization is right now? And it's just the thing that I continue to not understand when I watch the Raptors. They're fine. Like, it's a fine basketball team. They're in the middle. They're mediocre. It just... There's... There's not too much to them right now that feels special. There's not too much to them right now that feels overly entertaining. And that's just what I keep coming away from or with when I watch these games is where is this going this year? Like what is what is the ceiling this season? Why could you not have just made certain moves and accepted that, yeah, part of this was maybe taking a bit of a step backwards. That's the part that I just keep like, losing. Losing these games would have been important. Now it just feels like they're going to be in the middle. Also, I will say that the draft has been thrown into a little bit of disarray, and I I wonder how much of that did impact some of their thinking, which is, yeah, uh, what has gone on with Alabama basketball this year is tough mm-hmm. and has drastically impacted the way that the the guys after the one and two picks are going to be taken. But, yeah, it was just another tough one for – Raptors fans last night where it just felt like they were chasing the game, couldn't knock down, couldn't hit big shots, would make these little mini runs where they would sort of get back into it. And then Washington just kept pulling away and was just the, the same team. That's the problem. Yeah, they won, but they're the, they're very similar teams in terms of just what I expect from them on a given night where they can go up, they can go down. They just beat Chicago. It's the same thing. Like Toronto is closer in that mix than they are to the upper echelon guys than they are to when I'm watching the Cavs-Celtics game from a couple of nights before. Mm-hmm. It's just they're, they're not there. Anyway, um, I'll have Ryan Getzlaff in a couple of minutes. A couple other things for today with the Toronto Maple Leafs. One, I don't think that a move in net is coming, but if there was, 
I think that they might still be able to do one of these two things in the off season. And it feels weird to say that. Like if you can get things done now, why not do them? But you might just be dealing with different players and different pieces. If you flame out this year to try and address that position, my contention has just always been this as to why I don't think Toronto does it. One, if you're going to get a guy like Soros, that is going to come at such an extreme price given his pedigree as a player and the fact that he is under contract for two more seasons at a very, very reasonable number. $5 million. Yeah. Here's the other part of it. No matter who you get, they're not going to be better than Andre Vasilevsky. They're probably not going to be better than what Linus Allmark is doing this season with Boston. And if you run into the New York Rangers, it's not going to be better than them either. So... I don't always love it when a team goes, hey, well, we, we have to try to make a move to match up with the other team. We always have to do a move that make, keeps pace with the other team, blah, 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 blah. But this is a scenario where I still feel like out of all the positions, yeah, there's a, lo- bit of, there's a bit of luck. It's a bit of a gamble anyways. And nothing to me would be more nightmarish than if you actually make a trade for a goaltender, you move in a bunch of significant assets to get something like that done. And let's be serious here. If they're going to get Saros, given all the pieces that they've moved out, it's, it's hard to envision a scenario where that actually does not involve nice mm-hmm. Gibson. I'm not sure what the deal is there, but I do remember he did not want to come to Toronto at the very beginning of the year. That was widely reported. That is a big move from a cap standpoint that involves a lot of more that, that a lot involves a lot more hatchet work, more work at Brandon Pridham's desk that I think can get done during the, this regular season. And now that Corpus Allo is off the board, I just don't think that there's someone where you can really make the case outside of those two guys where it's a significant upgrade. And even John Gibson, I know we're doing the same thing again, where he's making more saves than anybody else. And he's played really well in Anaheim and he's having a bounce back. I'm just, I'm not convinced that it's a hundred percent certainty that he outplays a guy like Samsonov. If those two guys were going into a playoff series with each other, right? These two guys, you got Matt Murray, potentially coming back healthy, maybe playing Saturday night, which was kind of news. 20 mm-hmm. games left, right? Yeah, 20 games left. 20 games left. Yeah. Let's assume he gets eight. Eight? Well. Seven, eight. Yeah, somewhere in there. Samsonov gets like 11, 12. Yes. They're not going to go do 50-50 split. Samsonov mm-hmm. is their guy right now. Uh, maybe not. Some people tend to think that that this is still going to end up being Matt Murray's net and that that has been communicated to him and whatever. But... Based on play, based on health, based on right now, who you would say is the more reliable guy, it's 100% Samsonov. But anyways, Mm -hmm. my point just simply is, with those two guys, is it really worth significant assets to go and address a position that oftentimes comes down to, like, the one goal? Yeah, you could make the case. Hey, if you're getting up to percentage points, you you make a move like that. Mm -hmm. But for me, I, I just don't see it. The Leafs had unbelievably clear needs and addressable needs with their blue line. They had clear and addressable needs with their forward group mm-hmm. and their, the composition of their team. They did that. I'm not really so sure the goaltending can be moved in a meaningful way. That, that's just like, oh, you have to do that trade. You got to do that trade. You got to move all in for that. You've got two guys. This was the gamble of the entire season. If it doesn't work out, it's Dubas's ass. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't like the idea of trying to move significant pieces to try to bring in UC Soros before the deadline. And 
then all of a sudden that ends up backfiring on you. That just to me is a, that's, that's an even bigger nightmare than any other scenario you can paint. Are Saros and Gibson the only two goalies that if they did trade for one, those are the only two that you'd want to see that are potentially yeah, available? Yeah, I don't want the Coyotes guy. Like, the Kakao Vamalka? Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not going to happen. And then who else even is there? Uh, aside from those three, I mean, Gibson last year, his agent already said like he's not coming to Toronto. He's committed yeah. to Anaheim, so that's pretty much out. Yeah, that stuff does change. Yeah. Yeah, that's but fair. But even still, there's no other there's no other goaltender that's out there that moves the needle. Yeah, those three have been like the top three most talked about in yeah. terms of goalies. Like what you're gonna go? You're gonna go get James Reimer? <laughs> Bring him back. <laughs> like yeah, great guy. Would be awesome to have him. Mm-hmm. But no, it's just this is that's not it. I don't yeah. think that this is it. That's why I think Dubis. This is me staking my claim. This could age very very poorly. Mm-hmm. It's ten thirty. Right, I think he's done. I think barring some kind of a pretty major opportunity for a real significant upgrade on the blue line, that he's done. That being said, he has that first round pick in the Washington Sandine deal. Mm-hmm. That is Boston's next year that you wouldn't mind seeing a move off of given the state of the team right now. But that's also something that you can use in the off season if you're going to try to swing a trade too. Like, there's no urgency with that one for me. I've seen people go, oh, you got to get rid of that one or you got to move that pick, blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, no, no. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that you can end up keeping it. You can roll it in the offseason. That's going to be fine, just fine. Yeah. Plus, as you said before, it does feel like they could use another middle six-ish guy that has a bit of finish. There, it does feel like you'd like to have one more left winger. Mm-hmm. But I think come playoff time, Ryan O'Reilly is going to center basically a checking line against Tampa Bay. And it's going to be him with some combination of David Camp, Noel Achari, Sam Lafferty, Kerfoot. Exactly. Mm. Some combination of those players that they will figure out where they will throw them up against one of Tampa's top six and say, good luck with this. These guys are going to be a grind for you to play against. And then when Toronto, (laughs) yeah. And when Toronto's chasing the game and they are trying to find a goal and they need offense, they can just still go bump O'Reilly up, move Tavares to the wing, and mm-hmm. chase the game that way. Try to find a little bit more offense and, and play your top six way more than you normally would have. Yeah. So they're going to have those two things at their disposal. I'm okay with that. Plus, maybe that is where Nyes can make an impact. Mm-hmm. People, I, I know Fuda was saying there's no pressure on him. I understand that what he's saying is from a hockey term. And what I'm saying is from a fan perspective who knows this market and knows that there's no sneaking Matthew Nyes into the lineup no, without no. every fan and every <laughs> blog and every tweet and every person. It's like Vladdy's wa- debut. Yeah. Everyone showed up for it. Every single person yeah. is going to hype that up, is going to m- microanalyze everything that he does, yep. and everyone's going to have a hard opinion once he finishes his first game as a Toronto first shift. Yeah. <laughs> People are going to overreact to exactly. that. Exactly. So I, I don't think that there's anything that they can do in terms of that, but yeah, whatever. Um, they at least have something coming in that regard. Mm-hmm. The only thing to me that potentially gets done today is can they upgrade the right side of their blue line from Hall to somebody mm-hmm. a little bit more stable? Can they turn Hall's money and say, you know what, we'd like somebody who can eat up more minutes and have a little bit more certainty and make sure that we have balance. I wonder how much of a priority with that Jake McCabe trade mm-hmm. it was to keep him with TJ Brody. Because if, if that's the plan, what, Austin, you're buzzing in my ear? If that's the plan where they want to have McCabe and Brody, then there really still is a hole next to Morgan Riley. 
Mm. And I, I don't think that Justin Hall can fill it perfectly. And I don't think Timothy Lilligren can either. To be honest, I, I've been a big fan of Lilligren's season, and I, I like the player a lot. Mm-hmm. It still kind of feels like there's a good chance that he could be the guy that's out of the lineup for one of these games. Like they could have the exact same thing that happened last year against Tampa where he gets game one and then he ends up getting removed from the roster basically immediately if they lose a game and they, and they decide to go, you know what? Nope. We're going more vet. We're going heavier. We're going bigger. Going I think it'd be a mistake. I, I like, I like him, but I'm not sure what would happen. Oh, I thought we heard a user break. All right. We'll take a quick break. We're going to come back and uh, return with, Ryan gets laugh. Sportsnet 590, the fan. So, everybody's been in studio today. It's a, up a staircase. Ryan gets laugh. I guess he's retired. You know, it hits you quick. Um, didn't make it up the stairs, but is on the phone. What's up, gets laugh? How are we doing, buddy? I'm good. How you doing? Are you really enjoying that couch down there? Like I can basically see you. Why are you not here? <laughs> yeah, that, I thought you were just not in the building. Great right on the couch. I was going to say. Nice spot. It's hard to get off of. Yeah. I was like, are you still on West Coast time? Like you just, it's too early. Like you guys had partied too hard with Drake last night. I think that's it. The boys yeah. are, uh, they're getting it started and I'll, I'll be on there in a little while. Yeah, that's good, man. No, it's great to have you. So um, is this a one-off for you or are you, are you looking at starting a bit of a media career? What's going on? I have no idea. Oh. This was uh, this was uh, kind of brought to my attention to try some things out, and I'm just trying to feel my way around uh, what to do uh, with retirement and all the time. Yeah, man. Well, I think that uh, well, the word is on the street. I was like, I don't want to you know overhype here and underdeliver, but there's some buzz about Ryan <laughs> Getzlaff already in the building. Is like this guy could be very good at media. I'm just saying. That's all I've heard. Oh yeah. <laughs> there's there's a little bit of buzz. Yeah. There's some people are talking. Uh, Fuda came up here. He would shut up about you. He was like, "Boy, he's making my eyes water." I was like, "From tears of joy or laughter or what exactly is happening here?" Anyway, it was really good. Uh, yeah. Ryan Getzlaff, Ducks all-time leading scorer, Stanley Cup champion, two-time gold medalist. Um, okay. So yeah, you actually here's the thing that you get to brag about with basically everybody else down there. You actually played against these guys that are getting moved in these deals. You're like, "Yeah, I know." what it was like um so let's get the scouting report for let's start with jake mccabe yeah i mean it's i think it's a good addition i mean that's uh somebody who can uh who can come out and, and kind of add to their lineup right away and uh, i think it's going to be good for them down the stretch here um having a, a new face too that uh, that just can bring something a little bit different to the table so i i hate invoking this is i don't mean this to be a comparison okay and especially considering I've had this guy on the podcast a couple of times before, and I think that, yeah, he would probably, like, I don't know, do something really bullyish if he heard me do it. But how much <laughs> how much did it mean to you guys to have, like, a physical presence like Chris Pronger on your blue line during your Stanley Cup run? Because it does feel as though that's what the Leafs tried to do a little bit with Luke Shin, just from the idea of, hey, if you're going to try to hang out in front of the net, there's going to be somebody that's going to make you pay a price. Yeah, you need that. I mean, you're playing a, a seven-game series against one team. So, um, you know, every little shift, everything matters. So you have to take that into consideration when you're building a playoff-type team. And, and Luke's a prime example of that. Uh, I played with him. I played against him. Um, he's definitely a guy that's going to make life tough for you. And, you know, those shots that he's given you in the first game uh, may not set in until game seven, but they will set in eventually. Yeah, um, I think he was pretty powerful for a lot of Leaf fans here anyway, seeing him back in that sweater. 
And it just felt very much like, oh, this is the guy. Uh, he was once uh, the the dude that had all the hopes on his shoulders, and now he's coming back so many years later. It's a cool narrative fit for the city. But, yeah, I also think like a, a real significant on-ice piece for them too. Okay, so I'll let you answer this one from like all the way across the league. What was the one move that's happened so far where you went, I really, that's, I love that one? Um, you know what? I, I like what the, I actually like what the Oilers did. Um, mm-hmm. That at home trade, I think, is going to pay off for them big time. He was the guy that I played against in the playoffs um, a few times. And, and he can bring that same, similar to what we're talking about. He's not going to fight anybody, but he definitely plays with an edge and, um, and it can be really hard on guys around the front of their net. Yeah, the way he was described to me earlier this week was he can be, quote, a prick to play against. So you want to double down on that one? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> lots of cross-checking, lots of, lots of making things miserable for you, and that's, uh, that's what you want. Again, that's playoff hockey. So you got a cup young, right? Like, it just it happened pretty quickly for you guys, and, yeah, you break through. It's a really fun team. Uh, one that I'll always be grateful for because I was living in Ottawa in college and I was a Leaf fan. And so thank God for you guys. So just let me just thank you personally. This is a very meaningful time. You're welcome. I, I thought I was going to basically have to spend my university years like indoors, you know, never see the light of day. And instead you guys came through to me for me. So yeah, one of my all-time favorite teams. But how much do you think it's starting to build on a team like the Leafs where it's just expectation? You know, you had a similar thing where you guys had a lot of young talent with your core, but you get it quick, like I said. And I'm sure that pressure built up in other ways where you guys went, oh, we have time, we have time, and then it starts to get tighter, tighter, tighter. But what do you think it's like in their room right now for their top guys with the expectations they had so early? Yeah, I mean, obviously playing in – Orange County is a little bit different than playing in Toronto sure. um, as far as expectation goes. But, um, you know, that's, I think that they're just, they're, their team's been building. They've been trying to get over that hump. And obviously they got some, some good teams they're going to battle with here in the East. And it's going to be a really interesting playoff time for them. And I hope, the, I hope they, they, you know, appreciate the additions they just had. And, and hopefully they can go on a little run. Yeah, uh, I think everybody in the city is hoping that they go on a bit of a run. Uh, you played with Tavares on that Olympic team in 2014. It's kind of the opposite of the that Ducks team that everybody, you guys, that Sochi team kind of ruined the Olympics because you had people in Canada that were so greedy that they were having this take of, we're too good for the Olympics. Like, it's just, it's too dominant. It infuriates me to this day. Like, I'll never forget when we send the, the, the half pros to the first Olympics back and people went, this will be more exciting because we won't know the result. Like, that's how good the Sochi team was. Um, but yeah, what were your impressions of just kind of like playing with him and, and seeing, yeah, just him, the player then versus him, the player now? Yeah, it's been good. I think he's, I think he's learned to play um, where he doesn't have to be the guy every single night. Um, he's learned to grow into that. I think when he, you know, a lot of times when he was on the Island, it was, it, it was him or nothing kind of thing. And he took a lot of that on his shoulders. And I think he's learned to play around those guys that, can also make a lot of plays and do things. And, um, and that's been uh, nice to see him grow. Um, how much is not having Olympics screwing things up for the game right now as someone who won two golds? <clears throat> yeah, it's hard. I mean, going to the Olympics is a, a tremendous experience. I, I understand it all. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we get paid to play in a, a, a great league right now that we play against some of the best people in the world all the time. So, um, but to be able to go and be a part of that um, was a great experience for me. And I think, you know, the guys are going to miss it down the road if they don't get back there. 
Do you uh, know if Corey Perry actually did want to be a Toronto Maple Leaf when he was a free agent? And if so, do you think that plays a factor potentially uh, in motivating him when he plays Toronto in the first round again this year? <laughs> I don't know if he wanted to be a Toronto Maple Leaf. Uh, I think Perry's Perry's uh, wanted to keep playing hockey and wanted to, you know, be part of something. And uh, he's a he's a competitor at heart, and he just wanted to be back in the mix. I think and went through a little bit of a tough spot there at the end of his uh, reign in Anaheim and um, has done really well for himself ever since. So he's never texted you before being like, it would have been my dream to be a Maple Leaf. You, you're going to deny that? He has not. Oh. I don't I don't have that text message, <laughs> that's, no. That's a bummer. A lot of people are crushed <laughs> hearing that. Hey, Ryan, uh, thanks for coming on today, man. Um, enjoy the couch. Enjoy the hours of television. I don't know how many trades you guys are going to get today, so you probably just rather tell stories anyways. But, yeah, soak it in. Enjoy it, man. And, and thanks for uh, being part of the team. This is gonna be great to have you. Uh, you got it. See you, Thanks pal. for having me. Ryan laugh. Ducks all-time leading scorer, Stanley Cup champion, two-time gold medalist, former teammate of John Tavares. And, yeah, um, maybe he didn't get that text. Maybe it was a voice note, you know? It was a loophole that he just used there where it was... Uh, <laughs> he never specified. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I don't have that text message because I deleted it. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, or it was never a text message. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it was an email. Exactly. Um, yeah, it didn't feel too comfortable making the Pronger-Shen analogy. But all I'm saying is, yes, I wanted that answer essentially from him of in a seven game series where you're playing another tough opponent, what is it like to have somebody back there who you know is going to take care of whoever it is that tries to go in front of the net and create mm-hmm. some havoc? And Put I some think, lumber into him. And I think that having Luke Shen is going to be a big part of this team. And yeah. I, I, I'm not a huge, listen, I'm, I'm a big, you have to believe that the guy can play, right? Mm-hmm. And, and for whatever reason, there's usually a straw man that goes up the other way where you say, well, I'd rather have just the person who over the large sample size is good at the thing. The playoffs are a sample size. That, like, you're just not going to be able to have it unless it's over the course of somebody's entire career and we evaluate and go, yeah, Patty Kane, who's played in a million of these things and scored a ton of goals in the playoffs, pretty clutch. Yeah. I think that we can make that evaluation. Mm-hmm. You're not generally going to make the same assessment come playoff hockey as you would throughout the regular season. But someone like Luke Shen just from year over year over year of having every single essentially person tell you that's played the game that that does have meaning. Yeah. All I'm trying to do is basically communicate that there there is going to be a bit more, that some people who are upset that Rasmus Sandin is gone, mm-hmm. that those elements of guy who's comfortable coming into the lineup during a run where people are trying to buy in and focus on the ultimate goal, and then the guy who can have the real physical moment and wear on a player over the course of seven games, yeah. those things matter. No one wants to see injuries, right? Like Mike Fuda, you just heard it from him earlier today. His biggest fear as a lifelong hockey man yeah. is that people get hurt. He's watching the NHL today, seeing Brad Marchand almost take a skate and going, thank goodness that didn't happen because he just wants to see the ultimate product. He just wants to see good playoff hockey. Completely understand. But... That being said, so much of the Stanley Cup playoffs, why we always, why do you think we always say the first round is the best? Because the most physical? Because guys are healthy. Oh, yeah, because they're not hurt yet. Yes. <laughs> because the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's a war of attrition. Yeah. By the time you get to the final, like, boy, I think about 2016. That's the one that just pops for me so much. That Sharks team was really good that year. Couture was playing brilliantly. He was just clutch as hell. They had their last remnants of the core that were remaining there playing at a very, very high level. 
Brent Burns was great. Thornton still had something left in the tank. By the time they got to the finals, it wasn't the case. You could tell that it just, that Sharks team had completely worn out. Granted, the Penguins were better. Sid was on a completely different level. Phil Kessel had the playoffs of his lifetime. That team was just doing, yeah, they, they, were, they were playing with an amazing blend of a different kind of toughness, but also just three lines of skill that were wave after wave after wave, and the Sharks just couldn't really match them talent-wise. But I remember watching Burns in that series and Thornton in that series, and granted, a bit of an older player for Joe, but some of the guys on that Sharks team and just feeling like, wow, if Martin Jones doesn't make 50 saves tonight, they're screwed because their guys are toast. They are beat up, Vlasic beat up. All of the Sharks players, by the time they got there, essentially done. And so, yeah, first round of the playoffs is amazing. It's the best. <laughs> Teams are fresh. They're going into it. What yeah. you're hoping for, to a degree, is that somebody like Shen and some of the forwards that they brought in here, and a Jake McKay, because, again, he's got some bite to his game, too, and yeah. he's not afraid to throw a hit. Just there's quite a bit of difference between him and Luke Shen. You know, look at them side by side, just size-wise and what they're able to do um, with their physicality. But having a guy like Noel Achari who finishes every single check now mm-hmm. versus guys who turn – and are starting to skate back. Yeah, Having guys like Sam Lafferty, who are big and very fast, and if they catch you, it's going to leave an imprint on you. Yeah, not afraid to go to the front of the net, too. Yes, Ryan O'Reilly, who is not nasty in the way of just, you know, injuring necessarily, but just hard to play against night in, night out. Yeah. Leafs have guys, Dubas has kind of said it over and over and over again, they want to have dudes who have that compete. Yeah, They want to have guys that are hard to play against, who are annoying to play against and over the course of these series can potentially wear you down. And what did it was Bizonet today, right? Where he was talking about, Hey, maybe Tampa's a little tired. Maybe Tampa's a little worn out. Yeah. We did play that narrative last year and it did backfire here. Mm-hmm. There was a stretch where Tampa was pretty dreadful. Honestly, like I remember doing pods uh, on the Like I remember doing morning shows and I think I had Dave Anderchuk on and I was sort of asking about like the wear and tear and the grind of their team And we may have misplayed it as a media group or as a whatever, bulletin board material, however the hell that stuff works, with actually having to get to those players. I addressed it with Patrick Maroon when he came on the podcast of, how'd you guys feel about that narrative? Mm -hmm. I think that they're gamers and they'll be able to find it no matter where they are. But there should be something to be said for the fact that they've made this many consecutive runs, that many deep runs, that they do have some fellows on their team who have had some injury history as of late. Some guys who are definitely older. And yeah, if you are tougher to play against and you are hitting more, you are more physical, you are more ready to engage in that sort of play, does that show up in a game six or a game seven when all the chips are down and now they're feeling a little bit more worn out, a little bit more tired, a little, I don't want to say that they'll be more reluctant to go to the dirty areas because that's just (laughs) not Tampa. But I might yeah. backfire saying that. No, but just where things are, you're you're a half step slower in a league where it's the very best players on the planet playing at the very peak of their powers. Yeah. How much is that going to matter? I think it will. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the the calculus that the Leafs have used is that now they have guys who they're not as afraid of wearing down, and they think that they will have more of an impact on wearing down their opponents. Yeah. They're more set up for a war now. Um. I'm doing Vancouver radio after this. I'm very excited. <laughs> Halford and Bruff. It's a good show. I, I actually really enjoy chatting with those guys. They're very, yeah, very talented broadcasters. Mm-hmm. 
I think that they do a good blend of tapping into being like real Vancouver guys, really understanding the team, depth of knowledge, depth around the league. That is one advantage that they do have in those markets when it comes to hockey and why I love going on shows like that is you're not doing as much like Raptors, Blue Jays, NFL, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit more NFL because they do a lot of Seahawks out there. Yeah. Seahawks but are pretty you get big. to focus a lot more around the league. And so I am curious to get their thoughts on some of the Western Conference guys that have come here and just the impressions that they had before they went to Toronto and mm-hmm. the the lift they think they're giving them. Because they're if if they I think if you get the respect or the nods of dudes like that, then you really know Toronto has done something special because they're actively hoping that the Maple Leafs do not win a Stanley Cup in Vancouver. That is their nightmare. <laughs> yeah. That is a genuine, true blue, bona fide, yes. top tier nightmare for the for Western Canada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like every Canucks fan I know hates the Leafs. They might have to shut down power grids around the rest of Canada <laughs> to ensure that there's no Twitter, no Instagram, no internet coverage, no YouTube clips. Just for safety. <laughs> they just can't have. Yeah, it's basically all these post-apocalyptic shows that we're seeing right now where The Last of Us, that's what it's going to look like in Vancouver and in <laughs> Calgary, Edmonton, wherever, if Toronto somehow wins the Stanley Cup, where they just have to shut it down, let things moss over and then try to rebuild society as they know it mm-hmm. over the coming years. You can tell I'm watching Last of Us. I think that's like my fifth Last of Us reference in the last two You're weeks. You're averaging like one per day now. Yeah, no, I'm getting up there. The last one stunk. I'm yeah. disappointed yeah. with the direction. And I'm proud of myself and of my nerdy friends who play video games that they have not spoiled it for me. It's kind of funny going from Game of Thrones where people actually had to read volumes of books to know mm-hmm. to these guys and I'm sure there are some girls out there too who have done the same to their groups of friends who plays play the vids. Yeah. Where they do the, the vids. Where they do the I know what happens. And you're like, okay, you played a video game. You didn't read a book. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't do anything of substance. <laughs> you didn't take time and sit down and read. You just sat there and melted away on the couch. And so you know the video game story. I'll never spoil it for you, JD. Don't worry. You play the video game? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know you were a big uh, video game guy. <laughs> I'm a child. <laughs> yeah, you are a child. But yeah, I guess you are in your peak video game years. Yeah. These guys, Pete and Austin, are just like coming out of their video game years. Mm-hmm. You're, you guys are finishing your video game prime. Pete will be video games till the day he dies Hogwarts. until that kissing machine really gets off the ground. <laughs> and then he'll be like, guys, it's not about video games anymore. I got bigger things it's to about, do here. It's about kissing through the phone. I actually got a talking to about playing video games and uh, whether or not it's still an adult thing to do. I'll be playing it I think it's an adult thing to do. Thank you, JD. Yeah, it's fun. That's why I'm supposed to learn the rosters. What's about balance? Well, yeah, I think just like anything, if you're, here's what it's not an adult thing to do. Play, who's that one player that just about died drinking Jolt Colas? Oh, it was the, uh, yeah, the Illinois. Yeah, Illinois forward Matthew Meyer. It was Matthew Meyer. Yeah. Yeah, he's out multiple days this week after uh, caffeine-induced poisoning from too many energy drinks while playing video games. Uh... (laughs) That's not an adult thing to do. That's not adulting. No, I think we should all know. It's just like television, same thing. But I don't think that there's a real difference between you watching TV and you watching uh, playing Last of Us. I I don't think that one thing is like more childish than the other. What Mm. I think is childish and what I think video games lends itself to a little bit more than television is just hours upon hours upon hours of being into it versus TV... I don't know. It's unless you get an incredibly good show to binge and actually sit there and binge it the entire time, you're more likely, I think, to step away rather than be in a video game and wanting to complete the tasks. Yeah. Anyway, um, subscribe to this podcast, leave five stars, share it with your friends, do all those nice things. I can't believe it's actually Friday. Like this whole week has felt like Friday. And now we're actually in Friday. So let's hit it. 
Let's quit it. Let's go have some fun. JD Bungus Podcast. We'll see you next week. There's something. 